0: You're a team Niggas can count me up. I'm counting my bullets, I'm loading my clips. I'm writing down names, I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice and I'm getting them hit. The real ones been dying, the fake ones is lit. The game is all balance, I'm back on my s. Sh-. The bit.ly is dirty, my sneakers is dirty, but that's how I like it. You all on my I'm all in my bag, it's hard as it get. I do not store powder, I might take a sip, I might, but I'm liable to trip. I ain't popping no pill, but you do as you wish. I roll with some fiends, I love them to death. I got a few meal, but not all of them rich. What good is the bread if my this is broke? What good is first class if my s can't sit? That's my-
1: And welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Coming to you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. We definitely appreciate y'all for checking us out. A lot of stuff to get to on this edition today. College basketball, NBA, trade deadline, college basketball. You know, all sorts of stuff to get into on on both, man. So we're just going to get right into it. Got the guys here. Of course, I am Josh Midget. Alongside Justice Bolden and Evan DeVoe. A lot of stuff to talk about. So Justice, let the people know how they can follow all things deliberation.
0: Hey, first off, they can follow us on Deliberation Uh Sports via Facebook, Deliberation Sports Podcast. We also have the Deliberation Uh Sports Community Facebook group. Uh, They can follow us on Twitter at Deliberation SP1 and on Instagram at Deliberation Sports. Also, to subscribe, subscribe via Apple
1: Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor
0: at Deliberation Sports Podcast.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Y'all check it out. Subscribe, follow, tweet, Instagram, whatever you need to do, man. Just hit us up, Deliberation Sports Podcast. we are posting all sorts of things on the social medias, including the shows. Most importantly, so y'all stay tuned for all that. So, want to get right into it, man. Go start with some college basketball. Uh, a lot going on. First off, uh thing that caught my eye. Uh, and it was a big game. Of course, we have these two blue bloods taking each other on. And that's Kansas and Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky getting the win against the Jayhawks. And, you know, it, it's got me wondering about Kansas a little bit. I talked about it in the last podcast. We had a discussion. You know, I put them as pretenders because other than Dedrick Lawson, who is always showing he is probably the national player of the year, you know, things just don't seem to look right for this Kansas team. I don't know what it is, but um, Evan, how, how you feeling, man, about uh, Duke and Kansas and how all that played out?
2: Well, before we uh, talk about Kansas shortcomings, I want to um, piece a couple of Memphis fans off real quick, man, and give a shout out to John Cooper Park. Uh, this is probably one of the best coaching years I've seen him have in a while. It always seems like he vastly underachieved with his one and dones, uh in recent years since he won his national championship in Kentucky. But he's found the way to get the most out of this team. Uh, the first game of the year, they got smoked by Duke uh, by 40 or 50 points. And it looked like this team wasn't even a top 25 team. And they actually got knocked out the top 25 earlier this year. Uh, but he's found the way to get the most out of these guys. Their interior presence is second to none. Uh, you look at Reed Travis, 18 points, 12 rebounds. That is a grown man in the paint. And uh, him and PJ Washington, who had 20 points and uh, 13 rebounds, they were too much for Diedrich in the post by himself. The loss of Azubu could due to injury out for the season is really hurting Kansas because they're so thin on the inside. Uh, they're really going to have trouble with any program that has legitimate size and any bigs that can finish around the rim. Uh, you look at Ashton Higgins. He had 13 points. Keldon Johnson had 15 points. He had 12. Ashton Higgins had 12, I'm sorry. And Keldon Johnson had 15 points. The Kentucky Wildcats did not have a single point off their bench. All the production came from their starters. And that first half, Kansas came out hitting on all cylinders. Um that second half Kentucky just took off. Kansas Dejounte Lawson had 20 points, 15 rebounds, but he had to play 39 minutes. Uh, if you play that many minutes in a in a high intensity game like that, your legs are going to be dead at the end. LaJal Vick, you got to get more out of him. 10 points, 6 rebounds, 4 9. He was basically a non-factor in 35 minutes. If you're that go-to wing guy, you got to get up more than 9 shots in 35 minutes. That's not going to get it. And Quinn Grimes, Quinn Grimes, excuse me, uh, he's the, he was the highly rated uh, freshman coming in for Kansas. He's underachieved so far this year. Uh, he was five, for nine. Um, had a good game, man, uh, but he, this probably was the best game I've seen him play in a while. And uh, he was just decent. So Kansas has a long way to go. Uh, the team out of the big 12 that look like they will compete with them is going to be Iowa state, but I want to give a shout-out to Kentucky, man. That team is looking good. And to me, uh, you got to you gotta consider them a contender for a Final Four spot. Their interior is is some of the best interior players in the country. Well,
0: yeah, first off, Evan, I think when you look at Kansas, there's some things that jump out. Number one, uh, even though they shot 72% from the free throw line, they only get there 11 times. They're 8 of 11. Then you look at Kentucky, they're 17 of 23. So that shows that uh, Kentucky was getting the quality shots, while Kansas – who only shot 36% of the field. They were nine of 23 from three. Those numbers are likely to do a big difference in the game. And also Kansas was killed on the glass, 49 to 36 on the glass. K- Kentucky finished with uh, 17 offensive rebounds. And that, that can't happen against a good team. So I think when you look at Kansas right now, they're down. Uh, who do they go to on that bench that can help them uh, in terms of rebounding-wise? Is it the freshman, uh, Daniel McCormick, who only had three rebounds? I don't see much rebounding coming out of this group. And so, therefore, I kind of tend to agree. I had them in my final four to start the year, but without uh, Azabuki, this team is vulnerable. But then on the other side, when you look at Kentucky, uh, we talked about uh, Aston Higgins, the freshman guard, uh, who played 35 minutes. He got 12 points. But Reed Travis, the transfer from Stanford, the grad transfer, 18 and 12, uh, he's playing like a beast. So next to uh, P.J. Washington, those guys combined for 38 points and uh, 25 rebounds. Anytime uh, two guys can do that against get you. Uh, it's going to be tough to beat them. And, and Also, Kentucky is 12-0 at home. So the games that they lost mostly is on the road, and I think that's where they're vulnerable. So Kentucky's only played essentially either a combination of seven road games or, or uh, neutral site games. I think that's going to hurt them down the stretch. They play well at home, but what happens when you go on the road? Hey, Justice,
2: I got a guy who will rebound for Kansas, man, if he ever play him. Uh, his name is K.J. Lawson. They exactly. can't get in there and bang. Uh, whatever Bill Self has against him, man, or, or or whatever he is a sin, hell, you ain't getting nothing from your players uh, that you're playing now. You got to put that guy in the game, man, and let him – it seems like if you make a mistake, he gets snatched. You got to let him work through his mistakes, man. That kid will get in there and rebound for you. You need to play K.J. Lawson more than what you're playing him. Yeah, well, exactly I mean,
0: he only, he only got three minutes in that game, and so typically <laughs> – uh, you would think Bill Self, who's coached uh, the Morris twins and just a plethora of NBA bigs, would know that Lawson is a guy that could maybe help them coming off the bench. But so far, he had not earned the trust of Bill Self, and that's something you're going to have to do if you're KJ. So I'm not sure what's going on in practice or why uh, Bill Self is going with a tight rotation, because when you really look at it uh, outside of uh, Agbaji off the bench, who played 21 minutes, no one else played more than eight minutes. And that was Daniel McCormick. So not only is this team shorthanded, but they're going with a shorter rotation, really only playing six guys. That's not a winning formula in the Big Twelve. And I think Kansas, they're one and four away from Fog Allen Fieldhouse. And once again, I talk about it. Teams struggle on the road. These blue blood teams, they love to pack on cupcakes at the house. But what happens when you go on the road? And as we've seen, Kansas has struggled so much on the, on the road this season. One and four away from Fog Allen Fieldhouse.
2: Well, Kansas, Kansas having cupcakes. Uh, Kansas is a perfect hell, Kansas beat Tennessee. Kansas is a perfect example of of, of injury. Uh, they haven't caked it up at all by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they just lost an interior uh,
0: component to their roster, man, and it's going to kill them. Well, they play, they're they playing some good opponents, but not on true road games. True road game is where where it really comes in now. Um, and, and in this one, at least they're not winning these true, true road games. And so – uh, the NCAA tournament, it is, it is a neutral site court, but I like to see teams go out on the road. So it was a good test for them to go to Kentucky. Uh, it's enough, you know, Kentucky will return the favor and go to Kansas next year. So we'll see how that goes. Even though Dedrick Lawson, most likely who I think is, is the odds on favorite to be the national player of the year, either him or Zion Williams, neither one, one of those guys will be in college basketball next
1: season. Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt about that. And I'm going to tell you something with, with the, uh, the situation with Kansas and, you know, Asabuki and everything. I, like I said, I think a few podcasts ago, I felt like it would help them in certain areas, especially when it comes to Dietrich's game, just in particular. Uh, and I think it has, but like I said, the, the load is bigger on him now. You know, not necessarily just scoring, but being a presence on the inside, blocking shots, rebounding, all of that's falling on him. And well,
0: well, Josh, the, the biggest thing that's that's missing, um, and it's a philosophy that, that Bill Self has, to go to a guy like Azebuki early and often, even though Diedrich is his best offensive player. We talked about it with uh, the University of Memphis, the Tigers, and how they need to go to Mike Parks early. We yeah. saw today against uh, Central Central Florida. He got the touches, and he, he responded. 13 points, eight rebounds. And so I like it when teams early on have a second big guy that they can go to to get him going. Um, Mike Parks is not the best big man for the Tigers. It's going to be uh, Keevan Davenport, the junior college All-American, who's now a senior. But when you can get production from a second big guy like that, it just, it really helps out your team. Without that, for as a bookie, uh Kansas, I think they're in trouble.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Gotta put KJ in. No, he's not a big necessarily, but he can do big things that you need as far as down there scrapping, rebounding, and that's missing from this Kansas team. So we'll see, man. And Kentucky exposed it. Um, you know, we'll see going forward how, how this looks for, for all of these teams involved here. But Looking at the Memphis side, let's just go to the Tigers. Um, Penny Hardaway, of course, in, in the headlines as always. Huge, huge victory today against Central Florida Golden Knights coming in FedEx Forum. The second biggest crowd of the year at FedEx Forum. They were loud. They were live. Um, pretty hyped for a Sunday afternoon. And it was it was the Tigers gave them plenty to be hyped about with a huge victory over Central Florida. Um, Justice, man, I'll start with you this time. How do you feel about what this means for this Tigers team uh, heading into the rest of the season? I'm big on playing the right way. That's that's my
0: big thing when it comes to basketball with a team like the Tigers, where your margin for error is slim somewhat because of your roster. So for me, it's all about the guards making sure, A, that they take care of the ball, B, um, not only penetrate, but make good, strong passes and get, your bigs involved they did that today against central florida uh central florida features the biggest man in college basketball taco falls seven foot six about 300 some odd pounds but early on you saw the, the uh game plan for penny hardaway was to take him away from the basket so they tried to work him early with isaiah maurice once he made a couple shots got into foul trouble they went to mike parks and parks responded and so i was pleased with the guard play uh, Jeremiah Martin didn't do as much of uh, when it, when he goes into I don't know if if we want to call it Mitchell mode or what, but it's when he just. He's playing his own game, and it's almost like nobody else is around. Tonight he did a better job, I think, of distributing, getting the guys involved. You could tell he was actively looking to kick the ball to Tyler Harris to get him open shots, and uh, that's got to be all the guards. All the guards have to be looking to penetrate and kick, and we saw that, and that's why even Rainier Thornton responded with 11 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, We'd like to see more scoring from Antoine Jones, but once again, he made some good plays uh, defensively. The Tigers played well, and that and that's what I'm looking for. Consistency, playing the right way, getting touches to your bigs, and then taking care of the basketball and defending.
1: Definitely, definitely. Evan, what, what, what you thinking?
2: Well, just as you are going to Mitchell mode, but, hell, when your shooter's going one for 23 against Temple uh, from three land, you, you got to do what you got to do. Hell, there ain't no need to keep kicking it for bricks. You got to get the team back in the game. So I, I think the last game he went to Mitchell mode because he, he had to. Uh, and, and I'm
0: just talking about him forcing shots when it's not there. I think he did it a couple times against Central Florida. You know what I'm talking about. He drives in the lane. There's three people there. The shot gets blocked. I just want to see that part corrected. Everything else for me is good for Martin. I'm just talking about the type of shots he takes at times. When you know that's
2: every he's guard on at. the team, right? What's that? That's every guard
0: on the team who does that. They didn't do that much of it against Central Florida. And I, I think that was really the difference in the game and why they were able to build that 15, 20-point lead. But go ahead. Yeah, every guard on that team makes, takes four shots, but we, we're going to get
2: on this game, man. The the thing to me was when that second unit came in, they took it to another level. Uh, Taco Fall only had seven points uh, and six rebounds. He had six points early, so he only had one point after the first, what, seven or eight minutes in the first half. And that's because Mike Parks got in there and just banged with them. Isaiah Maurice, he hit a couple threes, and but he wanted to play more of a finesse game. With bigs, you got to get into their chest. You got to make them vulnerable. You got to bang with them. You got to get physical with them. And today, Mike Parks fit the bill. Uh, I mean, that kid came out and played some basketball. He had uh, 13 points, eight rebounds. He looked like the Mike Parks we saw in the AAC last year who just owned the paint. Uh, BJ Taylor for Central Florida, Uh, he's averaging 17 points a game. We held him to uh, 10 points, three of 11 shooting, two for six from three in 31 minutes. You take that all day. RB Darkness, he's uh, averaging 16 points a game. You held him to two points, one for 10, 0 for five from three. Take that, all day. that is because Tyler, Alo, Jeremiah, Rainier, Kareem, Antoine, Every time those guards put the ball on the floor, they were in them. They were sitting down in their defensive stances, and they were having control of chaos in their press. They were trapping all over the floor. This is what Penny Hardaway envisioned when he took this job. He said, we're going to play fast, and we're going to press. Those guys are getting it. Now, you look at Kevin Davenport. Listen to this balance scoring, man. Davenport had 11. Thornton, who's been playing ball lately, had 11. Martin had 10 uh parks had 13 and eight tyler harris welcome back 14 points four for nine for three you take that all day and alo he wasn't in double figures but he had eight points as you uh justice alluded to antoine johns didn't score but he had some key defensive plays he had some nice assists too so whenever you get the guys playing balance like that you're going to take that all night it, it doesn't matter what else everything started on defense when those guards were sitting down pressuring central florida They weren't getting steals a lot, but they were forcing grown college players into travels and double dribbles. I saw two, three double dribbles today. I'm like, what in the world? That's because they were making their guards uncomfortable. I was telling a lot of people after the Temple loss, I said, hey, I'm not mad about that loss. Because what I saw was when adversity hit, that team learned to fight. That team was down by 21 points in the first half, and they could have folded. They could have folded. They fought back. And that's why I wasn't worried about how that team would be tonight. I knew the crowd was going to be packed at the FedEx form. I knew this team was going to feed off their energy. We looked at a five-game stretch last podcast. I said we need to go out 4-1. We need to go out 4-1. We had an opportunity to do that. If you do that, you're putting yourself in great, great position to continue to climb up those rankings. And if you look at the, the new college net rankings and you look at the RPIs after that win today, which was a quad one win, everything shot up. We got some more wins, uh, opportunities coming up against Cincinnati. We got UCF again. That'll be another quality win. We got a couple of road games coming up. Just stay the course, until Memphis fans stop being so damn negative out the, out the losses. We were never going to go 30-0, and 0. never. This is always going to be a a, pro, a a season where you got to stay the course. I love what Penny and that coaching staff done with this program. And shout out to Mike Miller. Everything today was his game plan. He scouted Central Florida to the T. Everything that he said was going to happen, you got to give a shout out, man. Without a good assistant staff who's going to scout the games correctly for you, a program would be nothing, man. It was a great win for the Tigers today.
1: Agreed 100%. I'm going to tell you something, man. Just to uh, both of you guys' point, man. What got me was, number one, immediately what I loved was Mike Parks coming in and banging with Taco Fall. Because sometimes you, you get a guy that big, especially in college, and guys kind of shy away, you know what I mean, or make your other kinds of decisions when you got a guy like that. But Mike Parks went right into him. You could tell that's a game plan. Bang. Post up with him. Put your shoulder in his back. You know, he fronted him but when he got that steal um, at one point, even though it, it turned back into a turnover. But that's what you wanted. He pushed him around. Keevan Davenport trying to dunk on him. Uh, with one hand, but it led to Isaiah Maurice getting the rebound and putting it in. That the guards went right at him, ran around him. You know, he almost didn't know what he was doing. And I don't think Tonka Falls that good anyway, but that's what you do when you have a guy that big.
0: But also since the Florida does a bad job of getting him the ball, man. I mean I agree too. It was it was times where I think he just wanted to throw somebody just because he couldn't get the ball. I mean (laughs) I don't understand how teams have a guy that that's big and won't give him the touches. It just doesn't make
1: any sense. Can I tell you how? It's
2: weird.
0: Go ahead.
1: Oh, go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, I, I just like the physicality, you know, and the guards, to to both of you guys' points again, played their roles perfectly. Didn't try to do too much. You may have had certain areas here and there, but you're going to have that sometimes when you got this many guards that know how to score and want to do things sometimes. But this might have been the best job I've seen the guards play as a unit sharing the ball defensively, not getting out of position, you know, driving and kicking, looking for the open man inside and outside. I mean, it was just, it was to perfection.
2: Well, I'm going to say this. Mm -hmm. The reason why those guards are having hard times, (laughs) get the ball to taco. A lot of times Mike had them, you know, he was fronting them. And if you, yeah. yeah, if you look, They had a guy sagging in, ready to hit him with the double as soon as he got the ball. And not to mention, you're getting banged in that paint all night long. So you're going to wear down. Not only that, the Tiger guards was in you so much defensively, you really couldn't have time to think. I mean, they were in their guards all night. And to me, Central Florida guards got exposed. I think B.J. Taylor, uh, preseason player of the year, first first team all-conference. Hey man, we had a freshman out of his who was in your stuff all night, man. Tyler Harris. Those those guards from Central Florida got exposed, man. Central Florida got exposed as a group today. And, and and that's
0: what it's about. It's about team defense. We talked about that throughout the season. Team defense with the Tiger group. You got to play as a team offensively, but team defense is what's going to get it. And tonight, as as good as any time throughout the year, they really played team defense. And I think if if, uh, they can move forward and get uh, consistent production on both sides of the ball like this, uh, they're going to do fine in in that American Athletic Conference.
1: I think shout out to Rainier Thornton as well, because I saw Penny uh, even talked about in the postgame. Penny said that one of the things that they had to get in Rainier's head is quit trying to score. You know, just go out there, do what you do, rebound, get steals, play defense, and the points will come. And that's what's been happening. You notice he's been playing a whole lot better at his role. And if he plays like that, I mean, it's it's a whole nother thing for this
2: team. Hey, can I can I add something real quick? Yeah. And y'all might uh get mad at me for this, but I'm I
1: mean, sorry. It's, it's right. we'll, we'll fight after. Let's go ahead. Okay.
2: Um, man, to you punk ass Tennessee fans, I'm so, man, I'm sick of y'all, man. Every time it's something about Penny, you guys want to say something bad about him. Nobody was saying nothing about y'all sorry ass program. None of these years in Memphis. Y'all finally got somebody who's, you know, halfway turning the thing around. Y'all having a good year. Man, act like you the one before, even if you haven't. We weren't talking bad about y'all when y'all had sorry-ass Buzz Peterson. When y'all got caught you cheating with Bruce Pearl. When Donnie Tindall, who was a terrible hire to begin with, got fired after one year. Even though – and Rick Barnes was getting his ass kicked these first two years. Even though you haven't won at a high level lately, act like it because I promise you, after this year, Memphis will be back tapping that ass. Ain't, ain't no question about it. So I'm telling y'all, man, enjoy this year because I'm getting sick of y'all, number one. But enjoy it this year because next year is going to be over with. Well, and
0: i just like to add, it's a rivalry. And the, the programs are supposed to hate each other, the fan bases. I don't have anything good to say about uh, Tennessee basketball. I, in fact, I got picked up by Uber yesterday, and I told a guy, I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm from Memphis. He said, oh, Memphis, oh, Tennessee, you guys are number one. I said, no, I'm from Memphis. I, I don't, that, That's a, They're 500 miles away. So it's, a, it's two totally different worlds two totally different demographics, two totally different fan bases. So, that's why you line up your rivals. I'm glad that the philosophy that Josh Pastner and John Calipari brought to the Tigers is gone. Hopefully, they'll take those jerseys with them and go back to the old school Memphis State funk. I want to see that. I don't want to see those, those jerseys they wear now. They need to get rid of those. those that's, a, that's a John Calipari, Josh Pastner fund get rid of it. Go back to the old school. Go back to what works. And uh, Yeah, but Tennessee, Arkansas, Georgetown, Louisville, line up all of them. Old oh, Memphis line them up. Every year, line them up because Memphis fans don't like them and vice
1: versa. Line them up. I agree 100%, man. It's good to have that rivalry back in effect. And i, I never forget, I remember uh, when when Kansas played, and this is before we move on, but when Kansas played Tennessee and the reporters, you know, not knowing about the rivalry, as Deidre and KJ how to feel playing against your home state team and you know, K like that's not our home state team. <laughs> they they on the other side. That ain't even us, you know what I'm saying? So that that goes to that whole feeling uh with the Tennessee Vols, man. So definitely a great win for the Tigers moving forward. Just gotta keep it up. And one thing people brought up as well, on the road, you gotta start winning on the road now. They've had some close calls on the road, and they're seemingly unbeatable at home. So uh thankfully the conference tournaments in Memphis and that's Going to be something uh, big as well to look forward to. So, speaking of conferences, Memphis in the top of the AAC in contention right now. But who's the best conference in college basketball right now? Is there a standout right now? Can you say maybe who's in, in the rankings list or however you want to say? Um, who do you think is the best conference in college basketball? And who has been underwhelming uh, as well? Uh, Evan, if you want, want to hit that.
2: Well, it's pretty hard to say who's the best, uh, but if I had to pick, I, I'm going to go with uh, – mm, I'm going to have to pick between um, the SCC or the a- ACC, and I'm going to go a- a- ACC uh, because uh, ACC right now, man, they have a lot of teams ranked in the top 25 just like the SCC. Uh, you look at NC State, Kevin Keats, I mean, I'm a fan, man. He's a hell of a coach, and he's done a great job. His first year after replacing Mark Garford, he got him back to the NCAA tournament. Now he got him ranked uh, number 21 in the country. Um, coach Bennett at Virginia, they're number three in the country. Louisville, uh, talk about the job he's doing down there, man, replacing Patino, he's there number 23. North Carolina, number 11. Virginia, uh, they're number, number 10, I'm sorry. No, 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 Virginia Tech, they're number 10, Coach Buzz. uh, Buzz Williams, man, great coach over there, man. And then he actually recruits Memphis a lot, too. But then Duke, number two. I'm going to tell you all something about Duke, man. They're at full strength now. Trey Jones is back. That's still my national title winner right there. Uh, So I'm going to go to the ACC. If you look at the top of the ACC, nobody with Duke, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, UBA, No other conference at the top four can compete with the ACC. So when you look at the coaching legends like Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, you look at uh, Coach Bennett, and you look at uh, Buzz Williams down there, Virginia Tech, those guys are elite coaches. And I just think, man, the ACC is a a hell of a conference, man. And then you got guys like Florida State. All right, that was a preseason top 25 team that kind of hit a snag, but that team would still be an NCAA tournament team. There are a lot of talented teams out there in the ACC, so I'm going to go with the ACC as my best conference.
1: ACC,
0: go ahead. Evan, I'm not going to truly disagree with you, but I will say this. We've seen it before time and time again. you got a bunch of high-level, quote-unquote, ACC teams. They get to the tournament, and they start getting this pose. Game game one and game two, I I see this as a situation where it may be a little bit different this year because you really have some teams – that are a high level in that ACC. Namely, I like Duke and North Carolina long-term. I think the talent is there. Um, but we're going to see a lot of these teams, they're going to start to fall. The Duke-Syracuse game is likely to be sold out in the Carrier Dome. Syracuse right now is 5-2. and two. They're tied for, I guess, fifth place with Virginia Tech. That game is going to be crazy at the Carrier Dome. Uh, but when you look at Virginia, you look at Duke, you look at Louisville, you look at Carolina. I think those teams can play with anybody, but then when you talk about the SEC and some of those teams that they're at the top, Auburn has been hurt by the loss of Austin Wiley. I don't know if they can they can compensate for that loss. Okay. But when you look at when you look at Kentucky, uh, when you look at uh, Mississippi State, Tennessee, those teams can compete with just about anybody in the country. Uh, so I'll, I'll tend to agree that the ACC may be the best conference, but I think just like any other year, when it comes tournament time those guys will be exposed. Hey, hey, can I say
2: this? The team that has – the team to me, I know we're talking about Tennessee. Um, they're t- possibly one of the best teams in the, in the country. They're number one right now. But they've started off with the soft end of the SEC schedule. If you go towards the end of the SEC schedule, they still have yet to go to Rupp. They still haven't went down to Baton Rouge or LSU, who snuck back in the top twenty-five. They got to go down to Ole Miss, top twenty team. They still got to play Kentucky twice. Then they still got Mississippi State of Auburn. This next month and a half, we're gonna see if Tennessee is truly that team that they're being hyped up to be. Because once you go into to Rupp, then you go down to to Baton Rouge with LSU. And that Mississippi State and and that new arena Ole Miss got down there, those are some hostile environments. And they're going to come in Tennessee with everything they got. And Tennessee possibly could have had a loss earlier this week versus Vandy. So, hey, the SEC is good, man. But the ACC
0: top to bottom, SEC top four teams can't see the ACC top four teams. Well, well, speaking of uh, LSU, that's a team that we talked about in the non-conference play that went out and played everybody. Uh, They played Memphis. uh, They played Florida State, Oklahoma State, Houston. They went out and played really good teams. Even Furman, uh, who's ranked in the top 25, they they played those teams. And so they didn't beat all of them, but uh, they fared pretty solid. And now in the SEC, they've already beaten Alabama, Arkansas, number 18, Ole Miss, South Carolina, who's actually in the top four right now, uh, Georgia, and then at Missouri. So now the schedule starts to toughen up a bit. They've beaten Arkansas on the road. They'll get that return game. Also, they'll host Texas AM and Mississippi State. It's going to be interesting to see how they do uh once they get to the meet of the schedule because their next five is is home versus Arkansas at Mississippi State, home versus Ar- Auburn at Kentucky, at Georgia. That's gonna tell a lot about them before they even get to Florida, Tennessee, and, and uh Texas and AM a second time. They got a tough schedule, the LSU Tigers, but right now they're six and And I and I know uh Coach Wade's gotta be happy down there in Baton
1: Rouge. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. I'm going to tell you something. One thing that is kind of surprising to me when I actually look at it as far as conferences is the Big 12. The Big 12. Now, look at the Big 12 right now. I know Kansas, everybody thinks it's Kansas and everybody else, but not this season. I think it seems like Iowa State. I think they're a legit contender for that Big 12 crown. They got a big win against Ole Miss uh, recently. You got teams like Texas Tech that's number eight in the country. Uh, The nation's top defensive team, according to Ken Palm. Ratings a coach like Chris Beard doing great stuff. You got coaches like Bill Self, Bob Huggins, guys like that. So even looking at some of these other teams, even though they may not have a chance to win the conference, but Oklahoma, Kansas State, Texas all have top 11 defenses in the nation when it comes to defensive efficiency. So they're going to give teams problems, man, you know, the Iowa State, Texas, Texas, Kansas problems. And that's why if Kansas didn't get their stuff together, I think they could slip up uh, to one of these teams, man, if somebody else ends up winning the Big 12 crown. So the Big 12 is actually, you know, pretty competitive. And I think they should be up there in the conversation in the top three, probably conferences in the country.
0: And we've already seen uh, the number four team in the Big 12 Texas Tech take Duke and put them on the ropes in a neutral site game. So, yeah. ironically, that's one conference. When you look at it, you kind of sleep on them. But Kansas State, who's number two in the conference. Baylor, who's just a half game out of first place. And then um, when you look at Texas Tech, Iowa State, they're one game out. So, those are really your top five teams in the Big 12, followed by TCU. I think after that, there's mm-hmm. a drop-off where those that next tier of teams – if a team's gonna sneak into the uh, the big dance, only what I could see is being is either TCU or Oklahoma, but that depends on what they do. Both teams are fifteen and five and fifteen and uh, four, respectively. So they they didn't do terrible in the non conference, but overall, right now they've got three and four losses in, in the conference. Well,
1: fellas. fellows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you got something to say. Go ahead. Go
2: ahead. Yeah, I know. That every year people say this is gonna be the year that Kansas is gets knocked off their high horse and whatever. Look, they are weak this year, weaker than what we thought they would be because of injury. But until a team goes into Allen Fall and beat them, the 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 chase of the B twelve title, all roads lead through Allen Fall Fieldhouse. Can you do it? Go ahead.
1: Look, I ain't studying the fog. I don't think these folks are fearing the fog anymore. You know what I'm saying? The, the fog, the funk, whatever you want to call it, man. It, it, ain't nobody scared
2: Josh. of the
1: fog anymore.
2: They don't know how to win,
0: man. Look, Kansas is one and four on the road. So they, yeah. got, they got Texas, exactly. Kansas State, TCU, Texas Who's State, right Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Who's number one right now? In that conference?
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, they're, they're tied with... Uh, Who's so there? they're
2: number one, really, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're tied to yeah. Kansas State. And they got a with Kansas State.
2: I don't want to hear nothing about their road record when they're still sitting number one. They still got to play all those teams, man. All those teams still got to get over that mental psyche that we can beat Kansas. I will stay beat them. That's fine. I understand that. But West Virginia, that was a game that they probably shouldn't have lost. And that's it's the first a- team in the Big 12. But. They also came out and beat some of the top teams in the B-12. The same teams that you're saying can compete with them. They've beat a Texas. They've beat a Baylor. They've beat a TCU. So they beat a Oklahoma.
0: Well, uh-huh. Their next nine days are going to tell us a lot. When you travel to Texas, when you when you host uh, Texas Tech, and you go back on the road to Kansas State, that's going to tell us all we need to know about this te- this Kansas
1: team. Okay, and Think about it. The Texas game. Coming to fog out the end of the fog that everybody's supposed to be afraid of. You know, fog with a P. You know what I'm saying? What type of sense does that make? All that all that being said, Texas came in there with with their coach that's been struggling and almost took one. So imagine them going to Texas. It's gonna be problems, man. I think they slip up. I'm gonna say it right now. Kansas will not win the regular season Big 12 championship. It's gonna come down to the end, but I think it's probably. Going to be Texas Tech. I'll just throw that out there right now. Shout out to Glenn Cyprian, who came on the podcast, great friend of the show. And I think they get it done, man. Somebody's going to shot the fog. 12 and
2: 0, baby.
1: Call me me crazy.
2: 12 and 0 at the house.
1: It has to be all right. I don't know, man. But it'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes down, man, uh, to see what happens with the conferences. So, We will see what happens, but sticking to my prediction, just to let y'all know. Now the NBA, uh, to get some other things here real quick. Um, NBA action, one thing's catching my attention. The Los Angeles Lakers, of course, they're always in the top of the headlines because of LeBron James, but they've been losing a lot lately. And, you know, things are starting to get kind of alarming. You're hearing rumors that, you know, people are ready to, give up on the young core to get a star in there and that could even include Kyle Kuzma uh, as well now LeBron's been out for the majority of these losses but it seems like in this stretch you know they expect these guys to step up more than they have hasn't been looking too good is it a good idea to go ahead and dump most of if not all of this young core to get a second star in to play with LeBron
0: Well, if your goal is to win a championship within the next uh, two to three seasons, then then I guess that's that's the thing you would do is you would go ahead and trade away your young guys who are going to be here five to 10 years from now, especially if you don't believe in them and think that they can lead you to the promised land. But Mm -hmm. otherwise, if if the goal is just to compete at a high level, I'm not sure you get rid of both Ingram and Kuzma. I can see you get rid of Ingram uh, and possibly Lonzo Ball. But I would hold on to at least one of those guys. I think they should be good enough to to play with a LeBron James. Maybe not as a second guy, but as a third guy. So that's where you look at packaging uh, Alonzo Ball, a uh, Brandon Ingram, and maybe a JaVale McGee or someone like that for a superstar who's on the trade blocks. Put that package together, send it to New Orleans, and I guarantee you they'll send you Anthony Davis back. Uh, especially if they uh, if they understand that Anthony Davis is going to walk at the end of this season anyway. I think if you're the Lakers, you got to try to get into that bidding war to try to get Anthony Davis before the trade deadline.
1: So what you think, E?
2: Man. Hell, give them Magic Johnson if you can go get Anthony Davis. <laughs> I don't care. Hell, those guys have had opportunities. They've had multiple seasons, and they won – even looked at him possibly being a playoff team until LeBron freaking James got there. Those guys ain't going to get it done. When Jimmy Butler went to Minnesota, they made it to the playoffs. When he left, they got the damn coach fired. These new guys, man, they just, they're not built with that it factor, man. They're not tough. They're not goons. They're not fighters. They just finesse. And if we're not hitting threes and dunking, we're not productive. And you're going you're gonna to have to get some of that some of those ADs and that LeBron James back healthy and get Rondo all the way back healthy for these guys to have a shot. I would get rid of a Kuzma and ball or Ingram and ball. I wouldn't get rid of all three, but I would get rid of a a mixture of those two out of three and add in maybe a draft pick. And uh, I will go out to AD and and now you're making noise. But yes, I, I would definitely look to give up my young core because my young core ain't gave me nothing. What have they given you? Period. Ingram was looked at to be a hey, uh, – well, I'll tell you what they gave you. They gave you
0: a, a summer league title. But that's it. And that's what I'm saying. These guys were competing for the summer league title this summer, and now you're asking them to go out and win the NBA title. It's unrealistic. So, if it's, <laughs> I mean – No, 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 no,
2: no, 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 no. That wasn't the question. The question was, would you get rid of them to go get a lead star to compete with, for an NBA title? And the answer is Yes. I think what Magic Johnson did, because essentially none of those guys really should have been playing in the summer league because a lot of them was in their second and third year, and, and they've proven on some levels that they could play in the NBA the previous years. Magic just wanted to put those guys out there and sell themselves so they can be accessible for uh, as assets to, to go get a big-time name. Honestly, I think it was all in Magic game plan. He wasn't never, and I came on this podcast two weeks ago and told you all this, he wasn't never going to keep this roster full. The way it is, he was always going to make a move. It's just not coming out. This this ain't no surprise. I, I just think it was part of Magic Master plan, man. Yeah, get rid of
1: him.
2: What, what reason would you keep him?
1: What? Well, here's my thing. If I don't mind getting rid, of, you know, Lonzo Yeah, get
2: rid of Luke Walton while you're at
1: it. See, that's what I'm saying. they always trying to blame the coach. I mean, what what is he supposed to do? You know, Luke Walton, man. What are we dumping him for? Now I understand. This is a young team. LeBron's been hurt or whatever. But now LeBron's back to his old tricks of dumping the coach to get somebody. What are we going hey, to do? This is all him. a part of the plan that LeBron James takes with him everywhere he goes.
0: He basically comes in. He's going to gut gut the guys that are there, bring in the elite guys, and then they win from there. So in order for that to happen, the Lakers are going to have to make a move. They got to get rid of these guys and bring in some talent at the high level, at a higher level almost than what LeBron is playing now, Because let's face it. The guy's been out 10, 15 games, and he's not getting any younger. Uh, he he went out on a non-contact injury. So LeBron, um, well, he's he's still, I consider, the best player in the game. But mm-hmm. his health and father time is undefeated. And I think that's going to be uh, the issue going forward. And that's why you need an Anthony Davis, a superstar, to play next to LeBron and take that load off of him.
1: And you need a Kyle Kuzma. Because, look, I understand dumping Ingram because I never thought he was a good fit it. Anyway. You know what I mean? I think he could be good elsewhere, but I don't think he's a good fit with these guys. But Kuzma, you can't get rid of him. That's just my thoughts because I think he's an all star level player. You put him alongside with LeBron and AD, it'll be interesting. But let's say, okay, they get AD. What does that do to the Lakers? Can they just, can they now all of a sudden beat the Warriors that have five all stars essentially in their starting lineup? Yes. 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 Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: Nobody on Golden State team can hold LeBron. We've seen that multiple years in a row. Nobody Anthony Davis is a real problem for anybody in the league. You add him, you add him along with I don't think that they're going to get rid of all three. I think they're going to end up getting rid of Ingram and Ball along with a Kuzma. And then you got a Lance Stevenson who's a lockdown defender. you got a on Rondo, who's a lockdown defender. You have those young guys with Kuzma, and, and Javel McGee is a rim protector too. Let's not get that twisted. But you also have those vets like AD, like LeBron, like Rondo, like McGee, who's been there and won titles. All their veterans outside of Lance Stevenson have won titles. When you look Tyson at. Chandler. Yeah, Tyson Chandler uh, won a title. Javel McGee won a title. Rondo won a title. LeBron won a title. Those guys are winners. They're, they're not winners, they're champions. So when you put that pedigree along with some young superstars like AD and Kuzma, damn right they could be Golden State.
1: Man, I don't know. I just feel like it's a pipe dream. And you got you to gotta factor in the, the learning curve, learning how to play together. You got to factor in who in the world is going to be the coach? LeBron, is he going to coach again? Let me get it yeah.
2: Look, y'all can complain about what LeBron do all y'all want to. I don't know we're short on time, but, hell, every team he's been to, he's won. So I don't care if he's a coach killer. Hell, the coach need to be gone if he's not winning. I don't care. I don't have a problem with players coming in with winning mentalities, not just winning mentalities, but championship mentalities. People need to quit being so sensitive. He won a new coach. Well, hell, he's been a champion three, four times. So, hell, I think he knows what a good coach is and, and how good a coach needs to be to win a title. This is a man who essentially got rid of David Black in the middle of a season because he knew he wasn't the guy to help them win the title. And he hand-pointed Tyron Lute, and guess what? They won a title
0: against the team that had the best record in NBA history. That's what they did. So, I'll call know in more It just seems that it, there's sensitivity on both sides of it. On one side, it's sensitivity about – Nah, you just being biased. Getting, getting. getting well, I, I don't know. I, I think you may be biased, aren't you? Admittedly, a LeBron James fan. Uh, yes.
2: Yeah, like I, mean, I put it to you like this: both of y'all being biased because <laughs> both of y'all like <laughs> LeBron. And number two, all I stated was facts. Did he not hand point? Get rid of David Black and hand point Tyron Lewin? Did they not beat the best team in NBA history? record rise?
0: true or false? I just want to know. I want to go on record that I, I do. Do not dislike LeBron James. I don't dislike. Oh, James. Come on, y'all. Come
2: on here. F- for the fans that's listening, go through our podcast. Don't go delete them. Go through our podcast and and, and listen to what these guys have said about LeBron James. What I do, um, I keep it real fast
0: when it comes about to LeBron. Him. I don't sugarcoat it with LeBron. I, Josh, I tell you, he's, he don't he's, like. he's great, but he's got some things that he does that um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe them other than I think you did describe him as sensitive. Um, and yeah. it's just a part of how he plays. It's a function of him, but he's still—he's um, still on Mount Rushmore. He's still one of the top five players to ever put on shoes. He's—he's he's still the best player in the game, no doubt about <laughs> it. I don't hate LeBron
1: James.
2: Y'all don't like him. You just, him you just can't put no.
1: Look, sometimes medicine, man. You can't always, you know, put sugar. I, I, I like LeBron straight. James. I like LeBron James. Yeah. I
0: just think it sometimes, you know, he brought man. in a culture of. uh He helped bring in a culture of flopping. Uh, he helped push it forward to all the masses because flopping and whining is not now a part of our game where back in the day you had guys like Jordan who were getting beat up and just got up. That's, you know, what, that, I'm that, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And, I mean, it's James Harden. It's Chris Paul. it's 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 a culture of flopping. Kobe Bryant even did a bit of it. It has become commonplace in basketball. And now what happens, players at the youth level, at the middle school, the high school level, the college level, they
2: try to
1: emulate
2: these guys and they can't do it. I'm just saying,
1: man. The tussing, sometimes the rubber tussing, man. You know, you got to take it straight. You know what I mean? You can't water it down. That's all we're doing, Evan. You know, we ain't hating on the man. Okay.
2: Well, the fans, I urge y'all to listen to the NBA podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to have to put a poll up in about two weeks and see what they say.
1: Man, look, all I know is we don't need no polls. You know what I'm saying the facts. The facts are the facts. You know, when it, when it comes, to the if bronze, that's the case, we might as well put up a video reel of of uh, a lot of flopping.
0: <laughs> yeah. successful.
2: Well, I've been meaning. To, I ain't want to say this, but what what where flopping come in? That we are talking about him winning titles and and firing and coaches that need to be fired. <laughs> and
0: and yeah, that was that was that was in terms of my criticisms of him. Only, only yeah. the whining and the flopping. <laughs> nothing <laughs> else. Nothing else. And maybe. Uh, not having a consistent post-up game, you know that turnaround like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe. Outside man. that, I think he is the best player in the game and one of the greats
1: all time. At every other thing he does, it's just. And those see those the whining. The whining comes in with the coaching situation. Kobe one We transition. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, well, can,
2: him, you know. we keep going because I, I can. I can break this this down to a level that man, come on! But we ain't got the time. I know. Is it? We, we go ahead.
0: Milwaukee Bucks, they're the number one team. Yeah, we need to. In fact, they got the best record in the NBA. They're 8 and 2 in their last 10. Antetokounmpo, Takumbo, he is playing like a monster. <laughs> in, in a year where James Harden is doing everything he can to put up uh, astronomical numbers, Giannis quietly has been the best player on the best team in the NBA. Is he the NBA MVP? True or false?
1: I think it's true. I don't think it's a quick. Now, look, Harden, is, his case has been unbelievable, right? I can't knock what he's doing. I mean, it's just, just you know, record-settingly unbelievable. Like, you can't make this up. But it's not going to last the entire year. Giannis has been doing this all year. Monster numbers. the A level of dominance I don't know if I've seen in a long time. And not just with the stats, but physically. You know, I mean, just literally imposing his will outside in you know, dunking on guys, posting up. Uh, he's got the attitude of a competitor. You know what I mean? I even put it on a, a Facebook post that, you know, he almost has a, not quite saying on this level to a degree, but sometimes it's a shack like physical dominance. Like you can do nothing. If he decides he's going to dunk on you, he's going to dunk on you. He's going to score. He's been the focal point and it doesn't matter. You know, they can't stop him physically as well as skill. And everything else. So, I think, and, it's, and just the fact that you're on the Milwaukee Bucks and you're doing this—not that they have a bad team around them, I like Chris Middleton, I like Malcolm Brogdon, guys like that, you know—but I just feel like it's no question that Giannis is the man, and uh, he is the MVP.
2: Nevin? I think it's LeBron James.
1: LeBron James. Yeah. What?
0: You mean the MVP, the uh, the most missed games? Uh the M M G. Yeah. The MMV
1: or uh, whatever.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Before, before injury, I think it uh it'll be LeBron James. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's averaging 27 and 8 uh with seven assists, uh shooting over 50 percent from the field. And uh he's taking a team that was 26 and 56 before he's got he got there, and before he got injured, uh that was number three or four in the West. So to me, before injury, it would have been LeBron James. But since he's been injured and his team cannot function without him, I think you got to give it to Greek Freak by default.
1: Oh man! You know, I don't know, man. I feel like a sideways compliment. Like it's sideways in, in a year, compliment. in a year when
0: LeBron James has been out for fifteen plus games. You didn't just not that did it. <laughs> no, I, I heard you. I heard you. You said before that, <laughs> before
2: before Yeah, That is true. Like that team was twenty-six and fifty-six before he got there. And, and before LeBron James got injured, all of us on this podcast talked about the possibility of the Lakers being the Western Conference final team. We all said it.
0: That's true. We did say That's
2: that. True. We did say that. So when you take a team That's that was 26 and 56 and all you did was add one player, I think that is a possible MVP candidate. No other you know, player I, I, in the NBA has that much of an impact on one team that was a pathetic franchise a year before, period.
0: Now, some, some other trends have emerged in the West. Um, we talked about Denver, and, and, you know, that's been my team from the jump. They're 73 in the last 10. They've got two wins, uh, two straight. They're number two. Uh, and, and, you know, a healthy Golden State team is supposed to be ahead of the Denver Nuggets. They won 10 straight. They've done what they needed to do. They, they're kind of separating themselves at the NBA's best. But look at OKC. Uh, Tonight, they beat uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, the aforementioned Bucks. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Terrence Ferguson has become a guy who's made more threes over his last 10, 15 games than he did all of last season. They've won five in a row. Paul George is a legit all-star guy. So is Russell Westbrook. And that's a team that I think is really, really dangerous. The Oklahoma City Thunder have the makings of a team that can make some real noise in the Western conference playoffs.
1: Definitely. I mean, they got the man, Steven Adams down low, good defender. Got him. Give you some offense as well. I mean, it's, it's a good team, man. It's just solid. But it, um, it's
0: Terrence Ferguson. You take out Anthony Robinson, who couldn't shoot. And then you go with Ferguson yeah. uh, in 35 minutes. He was 14 points. Uh, three rebounds, two assists, six of 14 from the field, but he's been shooting the three well. So he's a classic three-and-geek guy. Now, he was only two of eight against the Pelicans in, in that in that game. But uh, I just like what the, what they're getting from him. And he's athletic and young enough to where not only does he, he score the ball, but he likes to defend. And his last three games against Portland, Milwaukee, and the Pelicans, 14 points, 14 points, and 15 against Milwaukee. If they can continue to get that from Ferguson, that changes the game because this is a guy – who through the first half of the season was
1: only averaging about six and a half points a game. Exactly. And don't forget now, um, a man who I thought and I knew uh would be a bigger deal. And some people get credit for it, that's Dennis Schroeder, the trade uh, that have gone from the uh, Atlanta Hawks that they got in the off season, a guy that can score big time. That can distribute, that can penetrate, that can do all sorts of things. Alongside a guy like Russell Westbrook, Ferguson, uh, Paul George has been incredible uh, this year. It uh, seemed like him and Westbrook have really figured out that chemistry without Melo being there uh, like last year. So, man, they're dangerous. They got scores off the bench. They got defenders. They play incredible defense as a team. So, folks better watch out, man. I think they're they're legit contenders. I really do.
2: Yo, quick, quick question before we end it. Uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies, Uh, they since we've been on last time, they have made uh Mike Conley and Marcus all available for trades. They are now listening to potential trade packages for the uh two veteran uh Grizzly players. Do you guys think come trade deadline that both guys will be gone, both will stay, or just one of them be out of here?
0: I think at least one of them is going to be gone. I don't know if it seems like there's more steam around Conley being moved. Uh, likely because there's a ton of teams that could use a four-guard. And the thing we have to remember is this. When you look at the Western Conference standings, only the Grizzlies and Phoenix are really out of the playoffs. Everyone else thinks they got a shot. Even New Orleans, who's down at, at 13, is only uh, about six games out of out of the playoff race. And well, then when you go to the East, there's four teams Outside of that, you look at the Orlando Magic, who are number 11, and they're only four games out of uh, the eighth place. That's why there's going to be a... a a chance for the Grizzlies to be able to move Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol if they decide, because most of these teams in the NBA right now are at least trying to win or in contention to make the playoffs, 24 or 30 teams. Okay.
1: Man, go ahead. Go, well, I'm like this. I, all I'm thinking is, and I just had the disaster uh, in my mind of just thinking about what, what Justin said, if the Grizz are stuck with Mark the song after the trade deadline and not Mike Conley, that is the worst case scenario. Period. Because Mark is going to be already going to, he's going to be dogging it. He's dogging it now. He just started playing well because he's being emotional. You know what I'm saying? You know, kissing Mike Conley and all this stuff and the, the hugging it all. And I understand. But I, I'm like this if you're stuck with Mark, he, He is going to be a load, a waste of space and an albatross on a team that's not only not good, but you need veteran leadership with probably a lot of young players that you're going to have left. It's just going to be a bad look. If anything, I'd rather be stuck with Mike Conley because at least you feel like you're going to have a positive guy in the locker room and that he's at least going to go out there and compete every night. But Mark, I mean, that'd be a terrible scenario. Um, But I do understand because there's more steam around Mike Conley and you could probably get more for him. So I don't know, man. It's going to be a disaster um, if that's the case. I hope they're both gone personally. Um, so then you could just really start completely over. Uh, but I don't know, man. There's so many what ifs. What if the what's the front office going to be like? Who's calling the shots? Is it Chris Wallace? Is it Chris Macris, who I've heard a lot about behind the scenes is gaining momentum. <laughs> I'm going to tell
0: office? you who it needs to be. It needs to be. Tayshawn Prince and Brevin Knight. They need to go get some guys who play ball, who have a love for Memphis, and get rid of these these clowns, these analytical clowns. Chris Wallace, I'm 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 done with all these guys, man. Go get some guys that got passion. When you listen to Brevin Knight talk about the game and he's calling it, he just feels like he should be the coach, or he should be making decisions. This guy really, he really, he really understands the game. Elliot Perry Absolutely. is the same thing. I would rather see Elliot Perry, uh, Brevin Knight, Shane Battier. Uh, Tayshawn Prince. Those are the type of guys I want to see in the Grizzlies front office. Get rid of these clowns and get me some guys who really done it and who can really explain it uh, like we want to hear it instead of uh, this Robert parra led uh, ownership group, which uh, he only comes around every blue moon. Otherwise, it's Chris Wallace just coming out, giving us, telling us a lie. I'm, I'm done with that.
1: All right, man. Justice is done. He's done with it. I feel you, brother. Uh, Evan, man, are, are you done? you as done as Justice.
2: Man, I thought Justice was finna to ask for Chris Wallace's number. Man, he man, <laughs> man we gonna, gonna have to get this over to him. Man, I, I'm, about to, I, I'm about to pull up on him. <laughs> I'm pull up on But I, I, I will say, I will say this. I think Chris Chris uh, Wallace has been a puppet. I, I don't think that if you guys remember, uh, I think I talked to Justice about this off the record. If you guys remember, um, when Chris Wallace was running things. He made some bad choices, but he also brought in a Zach Randolph and Tony Allen. When Perry came in, uh, Chris Wallace was the one who brought in of Hollins under his uh, watch too, yeah, and that yeah. turned out to be successful. When they came in with this John Hollinger analytics crap, what I hate, and they just wanted to just change the whole identity of the Grizzlies. They got rid of Lyle Hollins, uh, they got rid of a lot of our core players like Zach Randolph and Tony Allen. If y'all remember. Chris Wallace was kind of not even being heard from anymore. They just kind of pushed him to the side. Yeah. So, but I do agree with the justice. I am tired of these guys. Um, to be honest, which I'm tired of Mark too. I wouldn't mind getting rid of both of them either. I hope they are gone uh by a deadline in a couple of weeks, but we definitely need some changes in the front office. And I do agree with you guys about even though Brevin Knight is not is not going to come out of the, you know from being a commentator into a general manager, but I would like for him to. I, I think he would be awesome.
0: Yeah, because the guys We, we, we saw that with uh, Mark Jackson. We saw Mark Jackson become a uh, a coach. We saw the same thing with Steve Curry. In fact, yeah. he went to the GM first. So, I, I just want to see a guy like him get a shot.
2: No, yeah. I was not But the is didn't do it. Yeah, and, and look, I'm
1: going to throw this out there, and I've, we've talked with um, on, on the radio show with Brevin, and this about a couple of years ago. I don't know if his mind has changed since then. We actually asked him about, why don't you coach? You know, and he's like, he doesn't want to coach. You know, he's cool with playing golf and having time off after doing games and stuff. So I don't know if his mind's changed since then because you hear his frustration in certain situations. So who knows, man? But they know the game. Personally, I like a guy like Jerry Stackhouse, you know, who I think guys right there on the bench could be a really good coach. That's all another thing.
0: <laughs> hey,
1: it's not the coaching. It's... I'm
0: not going to do it again. I, I was I was on that track early with JP Vicatap, and I realized I can't blame the wrong person. And if Chris Wallace is a puppet, I'll say this: he's a guy who started the Blue Ribbon Magazine decades ago. He he originated this college recruiting thing that has turned into 247 and Rivals and ESPN. The guy knows basketball, but it, the way he's been paid over the last 15, 20 years if you are a puppet, I need you to go ahead and speak up and just stand on, 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 morals. And, and I mean, he's made enough money. This is about your legacy. And if your legacy is Zach Randolph, Marcus, off, Tony Allen, that's one thing. But if your mm-hmm. legacy is bottling draft pick after draft pick, that's not really how you want to end it. So if, if, if it's me, Hey, I got to speak up. I got to speak up. I can't just, I can't just be a puppet. I'm, in fact, I'm not going to be a puppet. That's just, it's just not in our DNA. And, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna operate a franchise in Memphis, a team, a program, I don't care what it is, you got to stand on principle, and you got to you, you can't just be a puppet, and and that's what I don't like. I don't like that with Chris Wallace because every every year something is happening, and I don't know what it is. He comes out and it's almost like he's slapping us around and calling us Susan. Well,
2: he's he's doing what he's been told to do, and yeah, I know we got to go, but that's what he's doing. He's doing what he's been told to do, and, and that's gonna sell dreams. The only way, let's just cut the bull. The only way for this team to get good anytime soon is to get rid of Mark and Mike, try to get some good young pieces in return, and try to get some first-round draft picks. When you get the first-round draft picks, you also need to tank the rest of your season so you won't have to give that uh, top 12 protected pick away. You need to try to get into the top five. In a top heavy NBA draft, when you look at uh, your guard from Mary State, you look at Reddish, you look at uh, Zion, you look at Barrett, those guys can flat out ball and come in immediately and help any NBA franchise. So, what you want to do is you want to try to get some young talent in return for Michael Mark, but you definitely need a first round draft pick and you need to tank your own season and get a top fly draft pick. That way, you put a young piece around. You just nailed the draft pick with Jaron Jackson. You need to go to Philadelphia 76 route, the Brooklyn Nate route. Tank, get good draft picks. Two, three years from now, we'll be back in the playoffs.
0: And Evan, I agree, and that's why I don't know what they were doing in the, the last game they won uh, against Indiana. Look, play well, that's fine. Showcase Conley and Gasol, but uh, don't win any more games. You trying to get a top four pick, <laughs> you, you, you almost got a guarantee. But stop winning. What are y'all doing? You know what I'm saying. I <laughs> mean, look, they, they the last twenty games they tried to win and lost most of them anyway. So just. just yeah. don't worry. Just take it out. I mean, you're trying to get a top four pick because if you can get a Jay Morant or one of those Duke guys, you got a potential superstar long term. At least you got a potential all star next to Jaron Jackson, and that. And if you can trade for another potential one, now you're talking. And and I think yeah, that's yeah. where the Grizzlies need to have as we close out this latest edition of the Liberation Sports Podcast. I agree, I'm
1: and you know, I, look, I, I think more than any of those guys. We'll talk about this later, but. The Murray State guard, more and more, I'm leaning to it like, man, give me this guy. Can you imagine him next to uh, Jared Jackson, you know, running the pick and roll? I mean, hey, just... hey, give me give
0: me Cam Reddish, man.
1: I need that 6'8", 6'9", Paul George
0: uh, type of guy who can really go get shots, defend the best player. Uh, I think he's going to be the best player long term out of this draft class.
1: Really? Wow, that's yep.
0: interesting.
1: Interesting. So we'll talk about that more in the future as well as time goes on. But that's going to do it. <laughs> For so this edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast, definitely appreciate y'all for checking us out, listening to us, uh rant and rave and ramble, and give y'all the facts and stats and our opinions on all things sports. Justice Bowden, uh, let the people know how they can follow the show as we go. Follow us on Twitter, Deliberation
0: SP1, Instagram and Facebook, Deliberation Sports uh, Podcast. And also... Uh, subscribe, 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 subscribe. If you want to listen to us, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and also Anchor Podcasts.
1: Uh-huh. Deliberation Sports Podcast. Yes, sir, man, that's uh, a raw and unfiltered. Yes, no doubt. Raw, indeed. Uh, you know, just pulling up on general managers. You know what I'm saying? You ain't gonna get that <laughs> in the Uh Right here on, Deliberation <laughs> Sports. Man. Had, to, had to hit him with the uh, paper route empire. Man, man. <laughs> definitely,
2: definitely, man. Evan, any last word for you, bro. Man, yeah, uh I'm gonna get off of sports real quick, man. I, I just wanna give a shout out to all our government workers, man, who are allowed to go back to work tomorrow and uh Able, even though it's temporary, man, uh, able to get some income rolling well to the houses, man. I know it's been a very difficult time. We're definitely praying for you guys and and hopefully we can come up with a solution to have this uh shutdown ended permanently. Great,
1: great note to end the show on uh, right there, man. So from myself, Josh Major from the Blue Sports Crew, Evan DeVoe, Justice Golden, we will see you on next time.